Hey everybody, welcome into this week's podcast sermon from Pastor Mark Lindsay from September the 26th. This week he's going to be in Acts chapter 4, wrapping up his series through the book of Acts. Hope you enjoy. Man, thank you so much, choir. I'm grateful that we can come together and worship and seek the Lord together in song and through His Word. So I encourage you and invite you to have your Bibles open to Acts chapter 9 and verses 1 through 22. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. When God gets hold of you. Have you ever felt someone was following you? Just yesterday... Uh, or last evening, I went to Sonic down here on, on Marcy Drive. I got us supper. That's the only thing I can cook. Go out, get, bring home. Two hamburgers, two tots, two large drinks. It's delivered. I pull out of the stall, stall number 10, and in stall number 13, just to my left, as soon as I pull out, a car pulls out alongside of me. I turn right onto Marcy Drive, car behind me turns right onto Marcy Drive. Stop at the stoplight at Goliad, the car pulls up behind me, stops at the stoplight in Goliad. I continue on down, I turn left, come past the church, I turn left uh, onto Watson Drive. The car gets behind me, turns left on Watson Drive. I make my way to turn left then, I can't remember the name of the street now, turn left to come to the house, the car gets in the left turn lane, turns left, gets behind me. I come to the stop sign at Crestline Road where I live. The car pulls up behind me and stops. I'm thinking, somebody is following me. So instead of going straight and then turning right into the alley, I decide I'm going to see this person's following me. So I turn right on Crestline. The car behind me turns right on Crestline. Alright, now I'm going to Go and turn left. Go by Miss Janelle's house. The car behind me turns left. Somebody is following me. So I make my left turn and there's a little little uh, circle drive there. And so I'm going to go around the circle drive. The car gets behind me, goes around the circle drive. And just as I'm about to dial 911... This vehicle turns into their drive, just on Circle Drive. <laughs> Made me so nervous, I get home, getting out of the vehicle, getting out of the car. I'm holding on to two hamburgers, two tater tots, two large drinks. And as I step out of the car, I spill the large drink all over my front. Dr. Pepper goes into my shoes. Ice everywhere. And I think, you know, I'm not sure I like to be followed. It made me nervous. See, the reality is, somebody is following you. Every moment of every day. And you, at times, recognize it. 
And the one following you is God the Father, the Creator. That, that ought not surprise you. Because after all, in the 23rd Psalm, uh, we are told, And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That goodness and mercy is the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. And all throughout Scripture, we can see that God is constantly pursuing us. He pursues you into a relationship with Himself. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The reason God pursues us is because we run away from Him. We go our own way. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God, in the midst of it, pursues you by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth a perfect life so He would qualify to pay for your sin through His death upon the cross. And He pursues you until you enter into that relationship with Him. But even as those who are believers, God still pursues us because still even in our own saved relationship, we tend to walk our own way. And we tend to follow our own way instead of God's way. He pursues us to bring us back to Him. Scripture says He leaves the 99 to go get the one that's, that has walked away and to bring them back into the fold. So God is pursuing you. This morning that pursuit might be for a relationship with Him. To know Him as Savior and Lord. For others of us, that pursuit of Him in our life, that following us in pursuit, is a way to bring us back into the fold, to, to bring us back into that perfect and wonderful relationship and enjoying our first love. You see, when God gets hold of you, your life will never be the same. I was reading earlier, uh, actually it's been a couple of weeks ago, of a family from the country, never been to the big city before. And so they make their way to the big city, and they're in awe of all the tall buildings, and they enter into their hotel. It's a four-star hotel. And they're just standing there in the lobby, just amazed at, at the sights of what they see. And the the wife, the, the mother, wanders away. Something catches her eye over here. And there standing in the middle of that lobby is the, the father, the husband, and the little boy. And they're looking at this wall. And all of a sudden, the wall opens up. They've never seen elevator doors before. The wall opens up. And they're amazed at what's taking place. And they watch this elderly woman hobble into that wall. And the wall closes. Well, pretty soon, the wall opens up again. And it's not the same lady who went in. Now coming out is this beautiful young woman. And the father, the husband, is just staring at her. And, and without even leaving his eyes from her, he reaches down and pushes the little boy away. He says, son, go get your mother. You see, the reality is, in each of us, are people whom we would love 
to see transformed. It may be a spouse. It, it may be a parent or a child. It could be a friend. It, it could be a co-worker. Or it could even be you. Sitting there, you know something needs to happen in your life. There needs to be something different in you. Something needs to happen in your life to transform you completely. And the reason you feel that way is because God is pursuing you. And wanting that relationship. And wanting you to experience the fullness of that relationship as a child of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man, woman, child teenager. There if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the, the old has gone, the old has died, the old has passed away. And all things have become new. See, that pursuit of God in your life is to make something new in you. To, to take away the, the old ways, to take away the old life, to take away the old things, and to create in you something new in your spirit, in your soul, and in your life. And when God gets hold of you, your life will never be the same again. Everything changes. Acts chapter 9 is actually a, a word of testimony. It is a testimony of a transformed life. Someone whom God had been pursuing for a, quite a long time. And now his life is transformed because God got hold of him. Now, his name is Saul. You would later come to know him as the most prolific writer of the New Testament. You would come to know him as perhaps the greatest evangelist of the church age, of the church era. But you will not find him as Saul, you will find him as Paul. And this is a story of his conversion. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that was the, the, how they described those who were following the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. If anyone who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They, they heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into 
Damascus, the, the city. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. Here I am. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And now he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that this Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Is he not the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And has he not come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Pray with me. Father, I'm so grateful for the testimony before us. That Lord God, it is proof once again of the transforming power of your spirit. And Lord, in your pursuit of us this morning, Father, may we stop and turn to you. And Lord, get hold of us. Father, speak now. And we will listen. Speak, Lord. And we will obey. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Saul was a great man of spiritual pedigree. He was actually named after the first king of Israel, named after King Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was schooled by the most popular and skilled teacher of the, of, the, of the synagogue, that of Gamaliel. 
He was as religious as a religious person could be religious. But yet he was a persecutor of Christians. One who would seek out those who were of the way, arrest them, bring them to the priest, and that even at times Saul would act in martyrdom and to kill them. Now, Acts chapter 9 tells us that Saul at this point was procuring from the high priest in Jerusalem death warrants for these followers of Christ. And so he makes his way to Damascus, ready to do his duty, armed with all the legal documents necessary. But some, at some point before he enters into the city limits, God's pursuit of him becomes so strong that the presence of God becomes so great that a mighty light shone in the midst of that midday. And Saul falls to his knees. And a voice speaks to Saul, which no one else could understand. They could hear something, but they did not hear and understand the words. The words of God. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Said, I am... The Lord Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. And then Saul asked, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Jesus says, get up, go into the city, and then I will tell you what to do. And Luke, in his account of this testimony, says, for three days, Saul lost his sight. He was so distressed at what he had experienced, he could not eat anything, he could not even drink anything. And then, something miraculous took place. Saul relates his conversion experience to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul talks about this conversion experience. And he says, at the lowest time in my life, when everything was out of control, when I knew something needed to happen, some transformation, some change needed to take place in my life, he tells the Philippians in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, he says, that is when Christ got Hold of me. In the midst of it, Saul became this new creation. The old Saul passed away and the new Paul became new. No longer was he persecutor, now he was preacher. No longer was he seizing others, now he had been seized by God himself. Everything got, everything changed in my life. Something radical happened. God got hold of Saul, and Saul's life was never the same. See, God is just as relentless in his pursuit of us. As we run in our own way, God pursues us. He confronts us with the gospel of Christ in some form or fashion. It may be through a parent or it may be through a friend. 
It could be through a co-worker. It could be by listening to someone preach the Word of God or teach the Word of God. But somehow, someway, we are confronted with the truth. And time after time, we push it back. And we say, that, that's, not, that's just not for me. No, I, I, I do not want that for my life. But God does not give up. God continues to place people in our pathway. And He continues with those people in our pathway. And His pursuit becomes more relentless. Many of you have a one for whom you're praying. And you're praying for God to transform that person's life through salvation. That that person would stop running from God and begin to take hold of God. And as you pray, it may seem to you that that one for whom you're praying is not making any movement toward God. Let me say this to you. Do not give up. For God has not given up. Keep praying, keep telling, keep serving, keep pointing your one to Jesus Christ. The one for whom you're praying may seem to be an impossible case in your eyes, but I can say to you, if God can get hold of a hardened, stubborn sinner named Saul, then God can get hold of your lost one. He can get hold of your friend at school. He can get hold of your wayward adult child who has seemed to forsake his or her upbringing within the church and living a life completely separate and different from it. Do not give up. For God can take hold of that person through the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. There is no hopeless cause. No one is so far away from God that God cannot hold unto him and pursue him. And love Him. Do not give up on others. Like the father of the prodigal. Just keep watching. And waiting. And believing one day your one will come home. And it may be. You're the one for whom God is pursuing. For that relationship He so desires for you. And if you will take the testimony of Paul's and let it become your testimony. And you can experience that life-changing transformation if through a simple act of faith of which Saul had. You see, Saul, who would become Paul, would eventually write a letter to the church in Italy. The church in Rome. And in that letter... Paul speaks much of what took place in his life at the point of his conversion experiences. God had been pursuing him. And, and Paul says, this is how I was transformed through salvation. He says, this is how you can be transformed through salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If anyone confesses with his mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in his heart, God raised him from the dead. He shall be saved. Well, that word saved, he shall be transformed. The old life that you know needs to change will be gone and dead. And the new life will come in Jesus Christ. And once you believe, 
in Christ, you walk by faith. You take Him at His word, even though you do not fully understand, even though you, you do not have all the instructions, you be obedient to His word. Now, when God spoke to Ananias, Ananias said, yes, Lord, here I am. Isn't that a wonderful response? When God calls your name, simply come before Him and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. That was essentially what Ananias was saying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ananias, here I am, Lord. Use me. And now, the Lord says, okay. And I, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the house of Judas. And he even gave him the address. He lives on Straight Street. Now, I had no idea about the topography of Damascus at that time. But apparently this was something like Main Street going through town. Straight Street. And there go to the house of Judas. You will find a man by the name of Saul. And I want you to go and pray for him and touch him. Now, now, Ananias has put himself in a precarious place. He has just surrendered his life to God's service. Lord, here I am. Use me. But then when he finds out what, how God wants to use him, suddenly Ananias takes a step back. He says, now, wait a minute. Time out. I said, you could use me, but Lord, I wasn't expecting it in this way. It, you know, I know who this guy is. This guy's he, he's notorious for hunting out those people who love you and believe in, me, in you and, and arresting them, taking them to prison, and even killing them. God, I, are you sure you have thought this through? God, use me. And then all of a sudden, he says, whoa. You see, oftentimes we say to God, Lord God, I trust you. Lord God, I believe in you. Lord God, I want to live your plan. And then when God unfolds his plan, we start to question him. Have you ever said, Lord God, send me. And then when God sends, you say, but not there. See, there's a man in the Old Testament by the name of Jonah. He believed in God, and God had been pursuing his life. And Jonah said, essentially, God, here I am, use me. And so God says, Jonah, all right, there's a place I want you to go. It's called Nineveh. And Jonah says, not there. Anywhere else but there. Well, eventually, Jonah got there, not the way he got the way God wanted, but God got him there anyway. And we have to understand, sometimes God calls us to follow Him in doing hard things. We need to get out of our mind that God's desire for us is our comfort in this earth, in this world. We need to get out of our mind, well, I'm saved, so God, God, your job now is to make me comfortable. 
keep me safe, keep me protected. God, make me comfortable. I don't have to talk to difficult people or go to dangerous places or difficult places. God, just keep me comfortable. Then when God calls you, when God calls the church to step out in faith and go do those hard things, oftentimes we stop and we say no. God, that is not what I want to do. Actually, I think oftentimes what God is doing is He's testing us to see if we really trust Him like we say we trust Him. Lord, I trust You. Okay, I hear You. Now, prove it. As a church, we say, God, here we are. Use us in Big Spring and around the world. Okay, I hear what you say. Now, prove it to me. Ananias, here I am, Lord. Use me. All right, I want you to go to Jesus' house. And here's the address in Straight Street. You'll, you'll find it down there on the right. And go in and talk to Saul. Pray for him and put your hands upon him. See, Ananias, I have a plan. I have a plan to use Saul of Tarsus in a mighty way to spread the good news all over the world, but it will not be easy for him. Now, Ananias, just, just trust me. I know what I'm doing. And we see Ananias stepped out in faith and trusted God. And he did what the Lord asked him to do. And he went to a dangerous area, to a difficult place, and talked to a difficult person. See, when God gets hold of us, we trust Him. We believe even when we do not have all the information. You recall Moses, how God approached him. He said, Moses, I will make you the father of many nations. Your descendants are going to populate this earth. And he says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the place I'll show you. Now, God does not give Moses a road map. He does not give him a compass. He does not give him an agenda. He does not give him a timetable. All he says was, Moses, start walking. God was pursuing Moses because he had a purpose and that he had a plan. He said, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And Moses, in faith, strapped on his sandals and he started walking. God said, keep going until I tell you to stop. When I tell you to go to the right, go to the right. When I tell you to go to the left, go to the left. When I tell you to keep on going, you keep on going. See, Moses believed God had a plan. Now, friends, understand, God has a plan for you. That's why He pursues you. Because He has a plan. Now, that plan for you may not be easy. It may be difficult. But in God's plan for you, he wants to use you in a mighty way. The same is true for the church. God has a plan for First Baptist Church of Big Spring, Texas. And He pursues us as a congregation and individuals within the congregation. He pursues us because He has a perfect plan. And He says, all I want you to do is to trust me. 
The reality is God will never lead us to some place and then abandon us. His plan is always for His people to trust Him and to follow Him. So what has God asked you to do recently? Talk to your one? Love on that difficult neighbor? Has He asked you to call the family member from whom you are have been estranged? What is God asking you to do? He's asking you to start a new ministry. He's asking you to be faithful to giving of your tithe and of your offering. Is He asking you to go into a darkened world and to be the light of Jesus Christ? See, when, when you... God has hold of you. You will trust Him to fulfill His plan through you, no matter if it seems impossible. We go where God says go. Do what God says do. Now Luke tells us the rest of the story in Acts chapter 9. Luke tells us Saul became Paul and lived the rest of his days telling others about Jesus. Immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. From persecutor to preacher, Saul is a changed man. The change of God in his heart was evident to him. Acts chapter 9 is his story. And the rest of his story is revealed through his letters he wrote to the churches in the New Testament. Well, let me tell you something. You have a story as well. Your story may not be as spectacular as Saul's story, but if God has gotten hold of you and you've come to faith in Him, then God has changed you. Let, let me correct that. God is changing you. And the way God is transforming your life is evident in how you talk now to people. Hey, you, you never used to talk like that. You're different. It, it's, it's evident in the way you treat people. They no longer recoil at your sight, but they are drawn to you. The evidence of change and transformation in your life is seen in, how you, in the things you look at and how you spend your time. People simply know you're different. That change is ever-changing. For the rest of the time you spend on this planet, before you're called home, God will be pursuing you. And He'll be making you to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. So when you tell your story, tell of Jesus. Like Saul, that Jesus is the Christ. Has God been pursuing you? You may sense God has gotten hold of you. What would I say to you then? Turn to Him in faith. Believe in Him. Surrender and say to Him, say yes to Jesus Christ. Thank You for dying on the cross and bearing my punishment and offering forgiveness. Lord God, I turn from my sin and I take hold of You, Jesus Christ. Today can be your day of salvation. Has God been pursuing you? Child of God? Let me ask you, do you trust Him? God's going to ask you, all right, now, can you prove it to me? What is God asking you to do? 
Are you doing it? Are you obeying? Now, now just a little tidbit here in Acts chapter 9. Luke records the testimony of Saul. But Saul only says two things in all of chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. He asks two questions. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? And those are the two most important questions you can ask God today. Who are you, Lord? That led to the transformation of salvation in Saul's life. That may be where you are. Second thing is, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that led to Saul becoming no longer a persecutor, but a preacher. And walking in obedience. So what does the Lord want you to do? Are you willing to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Take me. Let me be your vessel today. Father, I'm grateful that we learn from others the ways of God. Lord, the transformation which took place in Saul's life some nearly 2,000 years ago is the same transformation that can take place in my life and others today. Lord, we're simply asking you, who are you? Father, in your pursuit of us, you've revealed yourself. Father, help us to come to you in faith. Father, we also ask what you want us to do. And Lord, in your pursuit of us, may you find us obedient. No matter the cost, even if we cannot figure it out on the front end. Father, we surrender to you. Take our lives for your glory. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me for a moment?